Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. For more Nerdy Show podcasts, community forums, and learn how you can support this and other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Welcome to Flame On. I am Brian. I'm here with two of our fellow cast members. I have Jared here. And I have Jeff. Go Seahawks. Welcome back. Hi. Um, I had to do some stuff. Uh, what you may not realize is Jeff is actually a amalgam of Eric and Oral, so that's why they cannot all be together at the same time. I did this whole, if you go back to Dragon Ball, uh, Eric and Oral fused and created me. It's crazy. It's crazy. That's unbelievable. Exactly. It doesn't make any sense, and yet, here I am. Yes. How could Eric and Oral turn into a straight man? It's Well, they're so gay together, I think by their powers combined, it pushes it over the spectrum. <laughs> so, so in every straight man, <clears throat> every straight man is two gay men fighting it out. Or there wants to be two gay men. Hey, there you go. All right. So uh, we're, uh, we're obviously a little short-staffed this month. We had planned to have a full cash recording, but as life goes, things don't always work out the way we hope. Rolling Stones wrote a, wrote a song about that, I think. Can't always get what you want. But you try sometimes. You get what you need. Well, you just might find. You oh. Yeah, no. Um, but no, we're all here. We're fun. We're going to be doing it a little light. We'll have fun. Lots of stuff to talk about, so you know, we're not going to not put this out. Uh, myself, I'm just back from Mid-Atlantic Leather. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that is a convention in D.C., and I will be talking about that here just a bit. But before we do that, I think we should just dive in. Talk about the big news and movies. Oscar Oscars, nominations. Oscars. Uh, who's hosting the Oscars this year? Do you remember? Uh, Bill Patrick? Is he doing it? D- did he? Did he get I upgraded? Have, I want to say he did. Um, I know. Track uh, research team will have to look into this. What? Um, Tina and Amy were the Golden Globes. Yes. They did a good job from what I've heard. I haven't watched an award show in forever. It's definitely not Chris Rock. It is Neil Patrick Harris. Oh, cool. Because I remembered he, uh, he had hosted the Tonys very successfully for years. And I think then graduated and did like did Emmys. Emmys or I think or he did the Emmys. But you know, obviously, we're big Neil Patrick Fair, uh, Harris fans. I, you, do you like uh, the How I Met Your Mother? 
I uh, I I appreciate it for what it is. It's keeping the long duration sitcom alive because uh-huh. there's always got to be one sitcom that's you yeah. know not not the the uh, what should I call like the two and a half men misogynistic kind of thing. Just like I look at How I Met Your Mother as the continuation of the ideas that Friends put forth. Did Friends do a lot of bizarre flashback and cultural references? No. Because that is the thing I think uh, Pat's, of course, got me into How I Met Your Mother. And I've not seen the whole series, although I did get them for Christmas. That's what I was pointing to. Uh, For those of you listening, I was pointing over in the general direction of the box set. Visual aids. Yes. Uh, This is the giant tome of all the episodes on DVD, which for some reason they didn't have a Blu-ray version. I'm kind of pissed about that, but whatever. And uh, it's all on Netflix. Um, But it had extra bonus things. I've watched parts of it and over the years kind of accumulated. And the thing that stands out about the show to me is all the cultural references, lots of Star Wars, lots of just stuff that we would appreciate. A lot of non sequiturs. Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. Uh, they, they love that. But there's a lot of continuity in the show because it jumps around in time. Plus, you have the the narrator who is the future Ted. Bob talking Saget. Talking about Bob Saget. Talking about how he met his mother. Well, his mother. Talking about how he met his wife, his children's mother. And, uh, you know, this isn't, uh, we're not trying to dig into this show right now because we'd be pat for that. But I've, I've just, I've found it enjoyable. And Neil Patrick Harris's fan, especially knowing that he is a big old Mo, like a couple of us here. Well, and that uh, was the big part about this show is he came out after this show gained traction. That was yeah. when he officially came out to the public. Which, if you know the show at all, he's a philanderer and like total ladies man. It, it just heightens, I think, the joke if you know the uh, subtext. Anyway, yeah. he's the host. Oscar nominations. We have not seen a lot of these movies. Uh, I'm actually ridiculously behind in cinema these days. At some point in my life, I just stopped watching movies. and Some uh, of them beat the yeah. release date. Like, well, actually, I don't know. I think American Sniper, I guess, was just like limited release, but that, I think, got a few oh. nominations. In fact, I'll tell you, Best Picture, American Sniper, Birdman, uh, Boyhood, Grand Budapest, Imitation Games, Selma. Theory of Everything, and Whiplash. Now, Whiplash I have not heard of at all. Oh, Whiplash, that's the drum movie with J.K. Simmons and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's... Oh, that's right, he's a drummer. He's like a per- Well, J.K. Simmons is the professor of Juilliard, oh, okay. and there the follows the main guy, Miles Teller, who's gonna be Mr. Fantastic in the new Fantastic Four movie. Yeah. He's no yeah. Yo and Griffith. But I guess the, it's a whole thing about, like, as a musician he wants to learn, he knows how to play drums really accomplished, and he... The, everybody that's reviewed it said like, so basically this movie's, uh, theme is to only, to be successful, you have to trade off being nice. Like, to be successful, you're gonna end up being a dick. Well, knowing a few professional musicians, that's not entirely untrue. Mm-hmm. And being one myself, I think I've probably been accused of worse. But, uh, in terms of the movies that are out, I really wanna see Birdman. Is that out yet? If, like on Blu-ray or DVD? No, not yet. See, I really wanna see that one. I'm very excited. We missed our chance at the Enzian. Well, it may come back in because uh, I know they're re-airing Grand Budapest mm-hmm. because it did so well. That's the movie of all these that I've seen and I, I really love, so I'm thrilled that that got nominated. Would you say it's your, your favorite Paul um, Thomas Anderson movie? Moonrise Kingdom is still probably, of the group, my favorite favorite, but I think I like uh, Budapest as much. How about you, Jared? You like the Paul Thomas? Yes. Which one's your favorite? Oh, Paul I Thomas. Life Aquatic. Life Wes Aquatic. Anderson. Wes Anderson. Was oh, that Wes? Oh wait, which one's okay? Paul Thomas Anderson was Boogie Nights. Paul Thomas. Wes right. Anderson is. See, we know what we're talking about. You're mixing up names. The too many Andersons, and then there there's are, Paul there W. S. Anderson. I do this a lot, actually. I, I mix the names, but Wes Anderson. And most recently, if you ever go to um, this is kind of bizarre, uh, Saint Augustine, 
I know that place. There is a waffle place there, and I can't think of the name of the waffle place, but it's like something waffles. You go in there, and it is right out of Cousteau slash Life Aquatic. They have the blue striped shirts and the red beanies. And there's even a picture, I think it's actually an etching on the wall, of the characters from Life Aquatic. So uh, you should go check that out sometime. Total nonsense. Jared, it's your breakfast place. Yes. Well, St. Augustine's a lot of fun. But um, anyway, so uh, Birdman will be a second choice because I've heard everyone loves it. I really want to see it, like I said. Imitation Game and Theory of Everything, both are movies I'm thrilled about. Being a computer scientist, loving science of all stuff, seeing Alan Turing's life and uh, Stephen Hawking's life uh, depicted in hopefully somewhat realistic ways. I have heard the Imitation Game does not get into the gay aspect of Alan Turing's existence, which, given that I am a gay computer science person, is unfortunate and a problem. But if the movie is focusing on his career and what, you know, I understand why they wouldn't necessarily focus on it. Uh, and I haven't seen it, so maybe they even give you a nod or something. It's a very messy end of life kind of situation with Alan Turing. Oh, the, the Apple, the, the prison, the, the, all the, the whole. Well, thing. and the chemical chemical castration. Yeah. And, it's bad. It's really Alan Turing's life is. I mean, he, he invented computer science, basically. Yeah. Um, formal computer science, uh, not the computer itself, but like you know, if they let's say whitewashed, but if they completely strip that out. Eh, I'm not not thrilled, but I still want to see it because I love Ben and Cumberbatch, and I hope it does well. I've heard Boyhood's amazing because it's that long term. They shot the movie over ten years, fifteen years. It's something like that, like a long project. Linkletter does this for some of his other films, but this was this was the one he had. I mean, this was his baby. This was the one yeah. he had been putting in all of this work on because he did this not to this extent, but the whole. Uh, Ethan Hawke yeah, and I can't uh, think of that series name. uh before sunrise before sunset and before uh midnight. Yeah. So I mean he he's really interested in showing how people age over uh the course of time and depicting that in the movie and this it's it, they filmed the same actors over like however long and yeah. showed this kid growing up and his family life and I heard it's I heard it's excellent. So you know there's really no Selma I've heard good things about. Uh that just came out in wide release I think. Yeah, they both did get in Run of the Wire. So, you know, it's hard to pick. American Sniper, I heard someone depicted as the first superhero movie about a real person, which I'm kind of interested then to. I've watch. heard the other side of it where, what was it? Uh, Michael Moore, uh, considered it, uh, akin to, oh, was it Michael Moore or Seth Rogen? One of them considered it akin to Nazi propaganda. Oh. Like, Seth Rogen made a comment of, this reminds me of the movie they played in the last third of Inglorious Bastards. Oh, wow. Like, so he wasn't a fan. Huh. Well, yeah, and I can see people taking that way. But, you know, hey, good for, uh, uh, actually, we're going to talk about here, Bradley Cooper, also yeah. a nominee for Best Actor for that. Uh, Steve Carell, who evidently did an amazing job in Foxcatcher, another movie I want to see. Benedict Cumberbatch, of course, Michael Keaton, and Eddie Redmayne. So basically, the same movies that were nominated, some of those, the lead actors got uh, the nomination. Uh, Eddie Redmayne was in theory of everything, right? Yeah. He, he did yeah, Stephen Hawking? Yeah, Stephen Hawking. So, I don't know. The picture I'm looking at of uh, Mr. Bradley Cooper, though, for those of you who are fond of the more beefy side of men and male physique, you definitely want to check that out. Oh, look up some... There's some behind-the-scenes shots from when he was filming this and his short shorts. Yeah. Man. Oh, I do remember seeing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's what it's from. Anyway, yeah, yeah definitely worth uh, checking that out. Lead actress. Uh, so, these vary a little bit from the movies. Marion Cotillard, Two Days, One Night. Felicity Jones, Theory of Everything. Julianne Moore, still Alice, uh, Rosamund Pike, Gone Girl, and Reese Witherspoon, Wild. So 
these are actually like kind of departures. They're, they're not the same movies. And I haven't seen any of these movies at yeah, all. Yeah, no. So I, I can't tell you who should get it. Um, Gone you, Girl, I kind of wanted to see, and then I heard more about it. And like, I don't want to sit through that. I it, dated that. To, oh, <laughs> they totally spoiled it on iFanboy, and I was like, oh, that's what happened. Okay, well, whatever. I'll still watch it because it's adventure films. Yeah. But, uh, uh, supporting actor, we got Robert Duvall from The Judge, Ethan Hawke from Boyhood, Edward Norton from Birdman, Mark Ruffalo from Foxcatcher, and J.K. Simmons from Whiplash. Again, a lot of the same movies that were nominated. Uh, these actors, uh, played a, uh, supporting role mm-hmm. to their, their corresponding main characters. But again, I haven't seen any of these, so I have no idea. Um, well, you know, we'll tune in. You, you put some easy money. Nobody's got any, uh, any horse in the race, so you can kind of just yeah, go no. with your gut. I, 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 yeah, and it's, so it's not like sports for me. It's more like just, oh, that's cool. Whoever wins, great. So, uh, supporting actress, we got Patricia Arquette from Boyhood. Laura Dern from Wild, Keira Knightley from The Imitation Game, Meryl Streep, Into the Woods. That's surprising. I am surprised. Now, unfortunately, I have not seen uh, Into the Woods. I saw it. Really? Yeah, uh, we got uh, sneak preview tickets uh, at an event we went to. We'll have to talk about that in a second. Uh, Emma Stone from Birdman, and that's it. So, God, really got to see Bird. I heard I, that's one of the thing. The one of the big uh, news uh, blurbs was during the Oscar nominations is Birdman got a lot of nominations. Yeah. Well, I mean, everything I've heard is it's just an amazing film. In fact, it's like the iFanboy, again, they did a little thing about it. And they're like, the best thing you can do to go into this film is to not hear or read anything. That's the problem. I, I did. I watched the uh, Half in the Bag guys uh-huh. do their sarcastic reviews. Oh. And with Birdman, you can't tell. Like with, with most movies, you can tell when they're making fun of it. Birdman being so off the wall, crazy. You can't tell when they're joking about what the movie's about or when oh. they're serious. Oh, well, that's but that's good and bad because then you you don't really know what going into. So anime feature film. Now there is a controversial ch- ch- or omission here. We'll talk about. But the everything uh, nominees, is an awesome Big Hero Six, uh, of course. The Box Trolls also, you know, I've heard very good. How to Train Your Dragon Two, of course. Uh, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. Uh, Song of the Sea, which I just saw a poster for, but I don't know. Uh, it looks interesting. Uh, check it out. Tale of the Princess Kaguya. Kaguya. And that also sounds interesting. Is this studio G. Takahata. Yeah, actually. Well, if it's not Ghibli, it's Takahata. Okay. Who's one of the guys at Ghibli? So that's that's kind of cool. Um. Yeah, I, I haven't seen any of these either. Of course, uh, um, uh, left off the Lego Movie. Very surprising. Very surprising because I think. And maybe it got a technical Oscar nomination, but as an achievement of film, it's it's pretty remarkable. Plus, it was a damn good movie. It was, you know. Do you think they fault them for the live action portions of the film? Maybe you know it, it, the rules with the Oscars are somewhat uh, difficult sometimes to parse, and it's quite possible that that's what happened. But uh, I don't know. Um, there's a bunch of other things. The only other one we'll skip the rest of these. I, the only one I, I usually definitely care about. Is the music stuff? Because I'm a uh, big you know, music score fan. Original soundtrack. Yeah, so original score, Grand Budapest by Displa. Uh, I have that on DVD. I love it or CD. It's really good. Imitation Game also by Displa. Man works. He's the hardest working composer these days. I <laughs> see him all over the place. Uh, I'm sure that's good. Interstellar by Hans Zimmer. I also have that soundtrack. We're going to talk about Interstellar here in a little bit. Um, Jeff just saw it. I, I, you know, there's the you can see it cut either way. I don't think it'll get it. Yeah, but I I do like it. Mr. Turner. By Gary Yershon, never heard of that. And The Theory of Everything by Johan Johansson. Uh, I believe Johan Johansson, what an unfortunate if I'm not name. mistaken, is uh, Icelandic. I think he's part of, um, oh, it's Jansi. It's, um, oh gosh, well, he's 
His name is Jonesy, and I may be completely wrong about this. Uh, and I can't think of the band. What Bjork's old band? No, it's another band from Iceland that I really like. Um, and it'll come Sigaros. I think Johan Johansson is also part of that, but I may be I, mean, I may be wrong. Uh, so that's cool. I'll have to check that out. So and then oh well, one more music original song. Everything is awesome. Did get nominated for original song, which is good, even though it's a stupid song, but it's meant to be. Glory from Selma, Grateful from Beyond the Lights, I'm Not Gonna Miss You from Glenn Campbell, I'll Be Me. Uh, okay. And Lost Stars from Be- Begin Again. So, you know, of all those, I could see Selma getting it, but I could also see Everything is Awesome just as a, here's a bone, have fun. Uh, here's, here's a pity films. Oscar. Nothing, yeah, pity Oscar. Yeah, I mean, everything else is, you know, usual exciting stuff. So I'm, uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I, uh, looks, oh, for some, for, for, for our geeky stuff. It does look like, uh, X-Men did get an Oscar nom. Guardians got an Oscar nom. Captain America Win a Soldier got an Oscar nom. Those are for visual effects. And Night, oh, Nightcrawler. <laughs> I almost got excited. Not, oh, the Jake Gyllenhaal. The Jake Gyllenhaal got a, uh, uh, screenplay, original screenplay, so. Um, so that's the Oscar nominations. Now, obviously, when it gets a little closer, we may have more of a strong opinion. We might revisit this going forward, but. And hopefully, if we actually get a chance to see some of these Oscar nominated pictures. And the Oscars themselves. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it later. Um, now, real quick, we're not going to belabor this, but we did see a few movies. Um, specifically of, of note, The Hobbit. Yeah. Um, I think Jeff and I saw it. Jeff, or, or Jeff? I have not. Have you seen any of The Hobbit films? I saw the first two. And became less and less interested. Well, <laughs> so here's the thing about that. I mean, and I don't, I totally understand. I it's, think the Hobbit. It's the given, shortest one. Yeah, it was short. The third Hobbit, uh, Battle of Five Armies, Five Armies. It is very short relative to the other two, although it still clocks in over two hours, I believe. If it is, it's just barely. Yeah, I mean, it's basically a little bit of the aftermath of Smaug, which you know he, he survives the. Attack in the in the mine. Well, but, at the end of the second one, he was going to destroy Lake Town, and and basically does it. Um, you know, spoilers. <laughs> if you haven't read The Hobbit or seen the animated thing or don't know the story, sorry. Um, but yeah, that happens, and then there's some little bits of traveling between the old city and the Dan. No, what's the name of the city? Oh, oh, hell, it's not uh, Dan. Not it's Dan. Something like that. Oh, <laughs> uh, now basically, you're it's me the this. human city outside of the mines. So it's, uh, you know, they're basically taking refuge there because there's still structures. Um, the dwarves led by oh, Thorin Oakenshield, who is pissed about, um, well, he's being like turned by the gold and of course greed, you know, all that. He's pissed that they're, they're setting up shop and then pissed even more. They basically come over and they demand a part of the settlement because basically if not for the dwarves taking back the mines, their little water town, Boat town, river town would not have been destroyed. So, uh, that's, that's like about a good 45 minutes, I think. Plus, you've got some stuff, and this is probably my favorite part. You've got Dale. Dale. I know somebody's name. Random other person's name. I think my favorite part of the movie really has to be the battle with the necromancer, who is basically Sauron. Oh, the, uh, the wizard throwdown? Yeah. And it is probably that moment for fans that just, you know, because I know in the book, you know, Gandalf fights him. I don't think, actually, you know, I don't know that Gandalf actually fought him then. This is where my my murky knowledge of the books, plus reading like 
the the Silmarillion and reading all the other crap. Like it all sort of blends together. But basically, in the movie version, Galadriel, Saruman, and Gandalf kind of and Elrond. Oh, Elrond, that's thank you. Uh, they kind of take on Saruman and his Saruman, uh, Sauron, and drive him back. And the nine, uh, the nine kings. The nine ring wraiths. Right. So, you know, and at first I was kind of like, well, wait a minute. How does this affect Lord of the Rings? Because if they're, if they take him out, kind of, and they banish him, but what they're really doing is they're banishing him to Mordor, right? Well, no, and that was the thing. Galadriel in the movie destroys what little ability he had to have any kind of corporeal form. Yeah. So that's why all through Lord of the Rings, he's, he's just, just an eye. eye. Okay. And he's just like, that is his, he has no physical form anymore. He's just this thing, this yeah. essence. But he also gets sent back to Mordor, whereas he was trying to get a toehold in that part of the space, wherever that was. Uh, I forgot. Gold, 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 gold. Gold, gold, gold. Yeah. Um, that place. What is cool also is, uh, Radagast the Brown comes back and, and actually a couple key moments and does some cool stuff. And of course, seeing Sylvester McCoy, the seventh doctor as Radagast the Brown, it, it, it was pretty cool too. So, like, that was my favorite part of the movie. The rest of the movie was actually the battles. And, I mean, clearly the battles were great and epic. You had orcs fighting, uh, uric fighting dwarves, fighting humans. But it essentially, elves. it was like ten pages of books stretched out to an hour and a half a movie. It really was. And then the, probably the most egregious, although people really just think that the, the, the love interest for Feely. Oh, the... Uh, what's the, her name? The elf, the lady elf. Lady elf. Like, they think that's the most egregious uh, addition, you know, all that. I feel like just the whole showdown with uh, Thorin and the the leader of the Uruk, which yeah. I know happens in the book, but the way they dragged that out was, like, the really just most egregious, like... But I actually, uh, like, yeah, I, I did the whole go through the wiki and start reading up, and, yeah, I don't even think... uh Whatever his name is, the the leader of the orcs, I don't even think Thorin is the one who struck him down ultimately in the book. Oh. I think it was actually uh Billy Connolly's character. Oh Jesus. Yeah. Uh oh crap, I forgot who whose name I forgot too. He has a lot of names. A lot of names. There's a lot of names. But no, overall I definitely enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed the whole Hobbit cycle. My gay crush on Lee Pace continues. Oh, Lee Pace. Who evidently read him on a cracker dating uh Thorin Oakenshield? Well, that's the rumor. They haven't actually. No, they... it's not official because I don't even think Lee Pace or Armitage have come out. No, but it's widely believed. That's another and reason like why so. when we talk about TV, I have my theories as to what is has happened. Yeah, so uh, good movie. If you, if you like Tolkien, but you're not like a, like a total fanboy. You should go see it. You'll enjoy it. If you are a purist, and I know a couple, Rick Worley. Kind of a friend of the show, uh, does, uh, Complete Waste of Time, the gay graphic novel slash comic book now. About, uh, drawing twinks and abusing. That's kind of awesome. Um, basically he's a token purist and, and just hates the movies. Still goes to him. I was gonna say. I was reading his Facebook posts and he's just complaining about this, complaining about that. I'm like, I, and I understand. I, 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 I have changed my mind from being a complete purist of like ad- adaptations to understanding that you know, you don't need to slavishly adapt. And a lot of times, if you do, it will suffer as a movie. Well, and that's, honestly, that's the one mistake I think Marvel is making, where that if you have adaptations and you have things like that, one shouldn't inform the other. You should, they should both be able to exist in their own universe. That's why, like, Game of Thrones. I'm a Song of Ice and Fire purist, and I had to come to terms with that on the TV show. 
Yeah. And well, I've done this that. is why I don't read if it's something I know is coming out, and I know that it exists as a book or graphic novel. I will oftentimes not read it if I have not already, because I don't want to be comparing it. I want to enjoy the movie as an experience. Then I'll go read the original work. And Game of Thrones has been like that, partly because I only got like halfway through the first book and sort of petered out. But like I intend to go back and read it. Uh, same thing with like Harry Potter. I think even though mm. they did a pretty faithful adaptation for most of Harry Potter, you know, the first couple of movies suffered, I think, because it was very slavish to the, the text. And they, they got a little bit away from that later and, and I think made better films. But, you know, overall, it's a fun, if you take away that you know, literary, you know, honoring the memory of Tolkien, who himself admitted that The Hobbit had flaws. Like, he was not someone who was like, oh, I stuff. It was perfect. a kid's book. It was a kid's book. It was his first of these things. He learned a lot in Lord of the Rings and made it more interesting. So I, I have no problem with Peter Jackson coming along and his, and his co-screenwriters and trying sprucing to... Sprucing it up a bit? Sprucing it up. Making it more interesting for today's audience. Nothing in it is so sacrilegious. I mean, I, I think my, my mom was complaining, or her mother's husband, uh, Lou, was complaining about the, the barrel scene and how long the oh, barrel yeah. thing went on. And it's like, but again, it's, it's a set piece. Action movies have these. It's, I mean, it's as simple as if you've already seen the other five movies, just go see this. This is the last one. Well, yeah, especially for the completest thing. Now, did you see it in high frame rate? No, because the I, I actually saw the marathon. Oh, that's right. And they did that with all three movies consecutively. It was about like nine hours uh-huh. total. And yeah, that was not in high frame rate for any of them. But you saw, I think, the first couple in high frame rate. Yeah, I saw the first two in high frame rate, and I actually was like one of the only people that enjoyed it in high frame rate. It didn't bother me. Did you see these in high frame rate? I saw the first film in high frame rate, and it was a little jarring to me. Yeah. Did it... So my experience with it, and maybe this is yours, is it's very jarring at first. It Mm. feels like it's fake. It feels like it's... It's like a live TV show. Yeah, it's it's a live television broadcast. But at your brain adjusts to it after a while, Mm -hmm. and then you Mm -hmm. don't even think about it. It just sort of looks... The one thing I think didn't hold up the most in the high frame rate stuff are the special effects. Like, it's almost that first time that they showed HD Uh and they had CG special effects, which which were upscaled in HD. They really look inferior because they weren't originally designed like that. Right. I I think it's the same idea with the high frame rate is because like the in the first movie, that little where they're cleaning up the kitchen and they're flipping the bowls and all that. That looked really fucking fake. In the high frame rate. The other thing, and I think Jackson even said this, is by the third one, his high frame rate was, like, they were the first movie, I think, to really do anything major with it. By the third one, it had gotten a lot better. Mm-hmm. And so the third one, I think, is the most seamless where you... Did you see it in high frame yeah, rate? Yeah, I saw all three oh. in high frame rate. And I, I like it. I, I, You know, coming out on Blu-ray, then they're not in high frame rate. Cause well, no. Because the technology for the home isn't quite there. But with the newer TVs and with the newer frame rate, you could probably in the next few years have that experience at home, and the question is, would you want to? And I don't know. But uh, the other thing I will say is I have the soundtrack. Um, Howard Shores does some great work on these movies. I do think that this last one was not the most memorable mm-hmm. uh, soundtrack-wise, um, but I, you know, I'm going to go back and listen to it. The first one of The Hobbits I definitely enjoyed. And with all the... Uh, go down from there. That was all with the dwarf songs. Yeah, which I, you know, they kind of didn't ever go back to. But, yeah. uh, so that was that. Now, you saw Interstellar. We've already talked a little bit about that, but you, I think, enjoyed the movie yeah i i went in with the expectation after every every review and every criticism i had heard that 
it's if it's it's a good love letter to 2001 and oh, i didn't boy. i didn't go into it thinking it was going to be some rompous action sci-fi adventure i knew it was going to be more of a an examination about you know bigger bigger themes about you know but it's also not as ponderous as two and i love 2001 I'm not saying ponderous in a bad way. No, it's more palatable. It's very palatable, and it's very, it's much meant to, like, stride the line between blockbuster entertainment and science fiction with a capital S, you know, I mean, just, like, high idea science fiction. So right. I, I think it's excellent. I, you know, I like Nolan. I know we're, we're listening to iFanboy, we're listening to something. Somebody, it may have been Josh, was like, oh, I don't really like Nolan's movies. I want to like them. I go see them. But Hell, I even saw Insomnia and thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, every movie he's made since Memento, and I never saw his first film. Oh, Following? Yeah. I haven't seen it either. I've seen all the other ones, and I've I've enjoyed, even if I had issues, and there's been issues uh, with each of them. But, you know, the only thing about Interstellar, I will say, is in the IMAX experience, which I, I went to, I think we talked about this, it was deafening. The audio was, and, and I read it later, that's intentional. It was it was meant to convey the epic uh, journey of space and the, the visceral sound of the... I'm like, no, I, I understand. It's kind of like the Bane audio all over again. Right. Yeah, he might make a vo- very bold choice with making the audio come out of all the speakers or whatever for Bane, but it was like, I just don't think it works. I could just you, don't. Could you please give Bane subtitles? Yeah. Please just give him subtitles. Yeah, that would have helped. But um, in this movie, it was, it was fun. Yeah, I liked um, it. So moving on to TV, uh, again, we're not going to go anything too in-depth. We have some just, just little things to mention. Um, we had a plan. We had a plan to we, talk about a, a very important biopic. Let's just say, if you are on our Facebook or Twitter, you may have seen some uh, live <laughs> tweeting of the Whitney Houston biopic, Whitney. That was by our little our little friend, Oral, who is unfortunately not here, as you know. So when he comes back, we are going to have a whole glorious uh, celebration or condemnation, I'm not quite sure, of the movie Whitney. So look forward to that probably in the next couple uh, episodes. Probably. I will be taking Hopefully. the the uh, argumentative point of Bobby Brown. Oh, I'll be doing Bobby <laughs> Brown's point of view. That'll be fun. Now, I do want to talk uh, some news. Uh, and specifically, that's what Jeff was alluding to earlier. Uh, they have cast a character in the Hannibal series that is very important to the Hannibal uh, well, to Red Dragon specifically. Yeah, the original, the first book in the whole series, the Red Dragon. Uh, Dollarhide. Francis Dollarhide. He was played most recently by Ray Fiennes in the uh movie came out early two thousands. Forgot about that. Uh, Anthony Hopkins and uh, Ed Norton. Yeah. It, it the movie was okay, but yeah. you know, the, actually, the movie had already been done before called Manhunter Which back I still in the scene. It was like Brian Cox, I think, played as Hannibal. Yeah, was the original Hannibal Lecter on screen. Uh, but yeah. Thorin Oakenshield is Francis Dollarhide. And if you've only seen him as Thorin Oakenshield, it may not make sense, but if you see him normal without the beard, you might have seen you might have seen him and not realized you saw him. Yeah, he 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 looks a little more like okay, I could see him maybe being a crazy serial killer, but uh with the beard he just looks, you know, rugged and and the manly. prosthetic nose to fill out that beard. Oh, that's right. They did give him a nose. Uh, so, if, if you ever if you ever saw the first Captain America movie, he was the guy who shot uh Stanley Tucci, the the uh, Hail Hydra guy that that oh. Steve has to chase down, and he I did not that's that. Richard Armitage. Wow. Huh. Well, so it's interesting about this is again if you follow the uh, he is actually dating Lee Pace supposedly and supposedly. Brian Fuller, uh, who worked with Lee Pace in Pushing Daisies, uh, you know likes to use people that he knows or people who know people. I don't know. 
because he's brought different people from different shows to other shows. You know, you were saying, I think, that you thought maybe Lee Pace would have been a good choice. But that just means I'm holding out hope that Lee Pace's cast is Buffalo Bill. That would be amazing. So, for those of you who don't know Hannibal, this is the third season that's coming out. They have tried to do a prequel series that echoes each of the three main books or movies, and they're ignoring the first, uh, not the first, but the, the, the earliest prequel that Thomas Harris wrote, uh, Hannibal Rising or something. Oh, yeah, the, the, the basically the Hannibal origin story, which they actually are kind of doing they, in this new season. They are alluding to it, yeah, and I heard her, and they even alluded to it in the second season, but basically each of the three seasons are meant to be echoes of Red Dragon, Hannibal, or uh, uh, Silence of the Lambs, and then Hannibal in this season. Uh, to and, a point. Well, and what we've heard so far of season three, that's, that's actually kind of true because they're doing a yeah. little span in Italy. Yeah. So, you know, remember in Hannibal, the movie or the book, he's kind of overseas on the run and Julianne Moore is involved because she's starling in that movie and mm-hmm. trying to find him and, and yet not catch him. Anyway. So, but they have announced that they're delaying the third season till summer. Yes. It yeah. normally was like a February airing and then it would run through the end of the, that season. So like, it would be like a 13 episode run. Which, you know, I really, Jeff too, I really love the show. So we're sad that it's delayed, but it does bode possibly well because summer ratings are, uh, there's less to choose from. So it has a good chance of getting some traction and that may mean it'll, last for another season and also there's lower expectations for summer so right. it could easily hit the numbers that nbc wants it's like the friday night of us uh, of uh, the summer of the year of, of the year of yeah. airing shows yeah so i'm excited i hope it, it comes back and well i know it'll come back but i hope it comes back again and jillian anderson will also be playing a major role which she's been in the last couple in in a minor role but it looks like this season she will have a bigger role yeah because i think her show that she was on nbc for got canceled so yeah. i think she's all freed up Although I did read this week that they do want to bring X-Files back in some way, and they're just waiting for, uh, well, they're waiting for, I'm sure, several things, but all the parties, you know, uh, Fox is interested, Carter's interested, especially because his show didn't get picked up by Amazon. Uh, he had a show on there called The After or something like that. And um, Jillian Anderson and Duchovny both said they want to come back. Jared, did you watch X-Files? I did. Did you like X-Files? I did. Yep. Did you make it through the whole series? I did not, unfortunately, uh, watch all the episodes. I just watched a couple here and there. And I saw the movies. Yeah. yeah. I did not see the second movie, and I have it on Blu-ray. It's Mm -hmm. kind of a major omission. I also didn't finish the final season or watch the last Mm -hmm. episode because they they kind of tried to tie it all up into a bow. And for whatever reason, I just stopped watching, probably because they swapped out. They pulled the Duke Cousins sort of thing where they... Swapped out Mulder and Scully for uh, the also rans and, well, and just surprisingly didn't last. Just Mulder. And actually what's funny is if you ever hear uh-huh. interviews with uh what's Robert Patrick? Yeah. He explains the whole what what it was like for him to come in. Cause, oh, a nightmare, I'm sure. Well, and Duchovny was still there, but he had to take a, a backseat role, and he, he actually was trying to get more into the directing side because he still directed episodes. Yeah. Even though he wasn't starring in them. And it was just, I mean, he's like, I had a good time, but it's like, imagine, imagine trying to follow that. Imagine trying to be the guy who shows up after the guy everybody loves. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. And sometimes that sort of works, but it didn't. So anyway, that, that might be coming back. Uh, but the show we will talk about, of course, in a little more depth is Agent Carter. Uh, this is the new Marvel show. It's only a seven episode or eight episode series. It's very short. Almost it's an, like a it's mini. an, it's an event. It is an event series is how they're marketing it. Which is probably not a bad thing because, you know, I've seen what, the first three episodes have come out, I think, because they had a two-parter for the first night. 
and they had I think at least one more week since. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. And it, it's it's I don't think I could see it sustaining as well. But what I love about it, I do love it. It, it. It's very much to me a combination of Alias in a period like set in the fifties, uh, early fifties, and it has bits of like the Avengers, sort yeah. of in, in the dynamic between. So the main leads are uh, Agent Carter, of course. If you saw Captain America, this is Sharon. No, Peggy, not Sharon. This is Peggy. So it's the original Carter girl. Hey, Haley Atwell. Haley Atwell and uh, Jarvis. Howard Howard Stark makes an appearance in the first episode. He's there in the background, and it relies. It kind of touches on his his legacy or his the inventions he has people stole, but specifically. His butler. Edwin Jarvis. Yeah, he's in it. Benedict Cumberbatch's long-lost brother, I swear to God. Kind of look like him. But, and they have wacky adventures trying to figure out who or what organization is behind the, the stealing of the technology. And the fact that Howard Stark's framed because people think he's selling his technology to people using it for ill purpose. If what you, is cool well, is... If, if, if you like One Tree Hill, you got Chad Michael Murray in there. See, I thought I recognized him, but I wasn't sure. <laughs> yeah. What is cool, though, is they mentioned uh, the organization is... Leviathan. So that's another sort of nod to the S.H.I.E.L.D. legacy. It's like the Russian Hydra. I, yeah, I think so. So, you know, overall, uh, a lot of fun. Um, but again, I could see why it, it wouldn't sustain maybe a whole series. Well, like, okay, so I watched it on Hulu because I, I don't have yeah. cable. Even though, even though it's ABC, I could have watched it live. I, they put it on Hulu. Uh, so I didn't know that the first night was a two-parter. Right. You, you just know it because it's separated. Two episodes. Per yeah. episodes. So we watched the first two. First episode was good. Very kind of middle of the road, trying to just establish the plot. Right. Second episode, I thought, took a turn where it was sillier than the other episode. Yeah, no, there is a sense of humor that the show has, kind of like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., that is a is a common thing in Marvel these days, in the movies, certainly, and in some of the comics. But, but, like, there was even, like, the whole scene with her underneath the guy's desk trying to jimmy open the drawer, and she bumps her head. And was, it's like, yeah, these was, are, like, almost pratfalls. These are a little unnecessary, and, yeah, it was kind of zany. But um, they're also trying to do this thing like Alias did where, you know, you're working as sort of a double double agent. Quadruple agent. So she's working for the SSR? SSR, the Strategic... Is- Science Reserve or something like that. Basically, Basically the, the predecessor to S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, their logo is even a bird of some kind. But they don't use her in any good, like, past. I mean, she was a badass agent in World War II, and they're kind of keeping her as a secretary. Nah, she was Captain America's sweetie. But, I mean, you know, she's a badass. So, like, you know, she feels a little under 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 underappreciated. Sorry. Um, And then Jarvis comes along and, and Howard Stark, and they're like, hey, help us clear our name. And, oh, by the way, you're caught. You're probably going to look like you're a traitor, so just be aware. So it, it plays off that the end of the third episode, I think, is where they, they have a death in one of the regular characters. Yeah. That was a bit of a shock, although you know, at one point you're like, oh, this guy's going to die because he finds out basically. That- they, they did the uh, the Coulson. Like, when you, as soon as you find out about his love life in intimate detail, yeah. like, oh, they're going to kill him. Yeah. So, I mean, like, that, but, but that they killed him, it took that, you know, light tone and made it a little more somber. And they played it pretty somber. So, you know, it's cool. In, in the, the women's hotel, she stays in a hotel where there's only women and there's like a, a matron that sort of runs everything, which is kind of an odd, weird thing. But yeah, the one scene with the, the boyfriend climbing up the fire escape, it looks like it's somebody trying to come to get Peggy. And it turns out it's just some guy looking for his his honey. Yeah. I did like seeing James Urbaniak play a crazy scientist in there. Mm. That was always cool. That's the uh, voice of Dr. Venture. 
among other characters on Venture Brothers. Um, so yeah, no, it's fun. It's an event series. After it's over, she'll pick back up. Yeah. The thing I am most like, and maybe it does dovetail somewhat by the end, but I kept thinking it was going to set up something or shield. They were going to inter interlock somehow, some kind of Inhumans. But thing. so far, not. And it may, and that may change. But um, it is a different production team, it's, it, or the same production team, different creators, different showrunners. It's not the Shield people. Um, so I don't know. We'll see what happens with it. But I, I definitely think if you like a period piece or you like just spy capers, you love the alias, you should check it out. Or if you don't like it, well, give it a few more weeks. It'll be off the air. Exactly. Um, moving on, uh, video games. Video games. I definitely, definitely wanted to talk a little bit. Speaking of Lord of the Rings, Shadows of Mordor, because we, we, we're not going to belabor the video game thing. We actually had our last episode was the, Gay Gamers Group Roundtable, uh, which I will say this, I had at least one person express to me some dismay that we did not, or we were not more worked up and angry about the fact that gay characters are not better represented in video games. Um, okay. They're not represented. Well, we, we they are somewhat, but no, you're right. Overall, they're not. They're not represented. They're represented as... It's a choice. You can make it over here if you want, but they're never featured. Well, this is Flame On, not Fox News. So. <laughs> but basically, you know, they were, they were, they were, yeah. And I, and I said, like, well, we were. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Weren't that worked up about it? Like, we can still enjoy video games and not be offended. Because I don't think the choices are made to be offensive. I'm only offended when you're trying to offend me. I'm not going to be offended if you make an innocent remark or you're making jokes and you're kind of, you know, doing whatever. Like, that doesn't offend me. If you come at me and you think my lifestyle or my orientation or my whatever is offensive to you and you're, you know, saying things or doing things to piss me off, well, then I will get pissed off. Right. But it's the same thing with gaming. I think we need to raise awareness. We need to get more of the representation out there, but it's not something that I'm going to be upset about. You know what I mean? Also, it's going to take time because you look at the people that make the games, people that greenlight games that they want to get made. It's There's the hierarchy of there's probably not a lot of gay plurif- uh, proliferation through that that yeah. they don't want to make a game like that because they don't think it'll sell. Well, and it, it all comes down to marketplace you know, economics. Yeah. I mean, especially in this age because third-party developers... That's why everybody complains about DLC, and what's going on this weekend is actually uh, this game called Evolve. It's from the makers of the Left 4 Dead series. Oh. But it's oh, right. five people. One person plays as a giant monster, and another, the other four play as hunter people trying to kill the giant monster. Didn't you play this in the beta or something? Oh, I played it in the alpha. I was oh, It was okay. in the closed alpha. Now it's talked about it, yeah. Now it's an open beta for anybody that wants to play. Oh. Um, check it out. But 
the problem is this game when it comes out, there's all this complicated DLC that you can get where you get extra monsters, you get skins, you get blah blah blah. Oh, they're doing that. All these different model, the pricing models for AAA publishers, because if a game comes out at that level and doesn't sell well, it's no longer just a, a write-off of, oh, the game didn't do that well, let's go to the next one. It's, no, no, the game didn't sell well, this company is folding. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, even companies as good as, like, uh, Rebel, was that the who did Bioshock? In, uh, Irrational Games. Irrational, yeah, like, the, the, they folded after a very successful launch and, and, and game release, you know, and, shows the mechanics and economics of game publishing and, and why these little indie studios that are doing stuff that goes up on Steam, that's a far... I think more lucrative, more lucrative, and possibly stable. You know, because you you don't have so much overhead, and, and and sort of the bullshit politics. We have Tiburon in town that does a lot of stuff, and I, I'm not speaking ill of Tiburon necessarily, but certainly in EA there are issues in the yeah. way they run things. And Tiburon, if anything, contractual stuff that's a problem. Well, Tiburon was was a public was a, a developer that was built on sports games, yeah. and the times that they ventured off and tried other things didn't turn out very well. Well, I'm, and I'm speaking more to the way they treat their employees and the fact that um, we, oh, it's a meat grinder. We in the simulation industry, which is where I work, we hire burned out and former game programmers because they want stability. They want to be. They want to work normal hours, and we're going way off the rails here. But point is, you know... We're talking about video games, it all fits. The game industry is difficult to do well in. So imagine um, somebody trying to propose a game where yeah, the major character is at gay. a major company. And thinking, maybe this might alienate some people. It might not be that big of a seller. Which is why I play place, yeah, places like Bio... Uh, not Bioshock, Bioware. Mm-hmm. Companies that make it a priority, I, I'm very impressed by. Because they're able to push the social agenda so to speak and yet have very successful games right but again i think the real the groundswell is going to come from these indie publishers you know the small teams that make these casual games like the rupaul game or they make some fancy new game where the lead character is homosexual or a lesbian and nobody cares well that was what was alluded to remember the game came out a couple years ago gone home yeah it was a first person game but it was you just exploring a house you didn't know the story, okay. but nobody's in the house, and as you're exploring, you're getting more information, and you're kind of building the story. Okay. And Sounds familiar. I, I read a lot of reviews about it, and the overall consensus was, by the end of the game, you play the daughter of a family who's in a lesbian relationship, and, and it's like your family coming to terms with you as a lesbian, huh. and it's this big thing, but they don't ever overtly say it and put it directly on the yeah. nose. But I, it was a very good game. Well... So, and we talked, well, again, we don't want to belabor this because we talked about this a lot last time. Well, the point going back to the, the criticism is, you know, we are just giving our opinions. If you are upset by it, please lobby your game publishers. Write your congressman. And, and support indie efforts. Our friend Matt Kahn, who GamerX Read Only Memories just came out. Uh, that was a Kickstarter thing that I backed and they're doing the same kind of thing as an indie game. Back those people, and they'll keep making stuff. Yeah. Uh, but Shadows of Mortar, I just want to talk a little bit. Uh, I talked a little bit last week, so I don't believe this, but uh, I definitely think if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, and or, oh, yeah. and or Assassin's Creed or Arkham Asylum, I think uh, it's got a bit, a little bit of everything. You know, I, I did just as an update get past the part where the game changes a slight bit, and you go from killing uh, orcs or urukai to um, or uruks or whatever. To uh, controlling and directing, which is you basically cool. build your own army. Which is the, that, that, the game has been a lot of fun so far. But when that and people were telling me about it a little bit, I was like, oh, "That's cool." It's it's definitely changed, and for uh, the better because you can still kill them. 
But now you have another choice, which is kind of nice in a game to not have to kill, but rather to use those resources in a different way. So very yeah. thrilled that that's out there. Also, uh, tried to avenge my brother's death a couple times. Well, and that's, see, that's some of the stuff that I love. It's these little things they added for like, since, since Brian and I both have it on PC and we're both friended on Steam. If, let's say, one of these big guys, these big Uruks in the game kills me, then in his game, that same guy is wandering around on his map and it pops up on his little thing saying, hey, yeah. this guy just killed your, your brother. Uh, if you kill him, you, you get a little bit of a bonus for, for giving a, getting revenge. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I, I thought that was a really nice, nice touch. Um, that's a great way to mix single player and multiplayer because so many yeah. people don't want to buy a game and be forced into multiplayer. Oh, I have friends at work who absolutely will not play like a, a, a WoW or whatever. They want that experience as a single player game. And yeah, right. if there's little things that come over or if they can do like a little game with their friends, they just don't want to deal with random people online who are obnoxious and or annoying. 13 year old kids that are just going to swat them if right. they don't. Do so like, uh, what's that? Uh, what Destiny? No, well, Destiny maybe, but what's one that's Call of Duty? really popular in that same Call of Duty? No, it's more like a fantasy game. Uh, uh, give me more to go it's on. It's like a massively single player game. Massively, but you can play with your friends. It's been around for a while. Everybody's played it. Ever? It's a dungeon Quest? crawl. It's a dungeon crawl. Ah, uh, Asheron's Call. No, 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 no. But it's 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 a single player. But you can play like with a small group. I have Destiny, <laughs> but it's fantasy anyway. That's fine. Um, Sci-fi fantasy. I'll, I'll think of it in like five minutes. Like anyway. So back to the gaming. Real, just you know, quick favorites from our Steam sale because that was just that just happened. I picked up uh, Shadows of Mordor actually there for thirty bucks. I think I got oh um, Age of Mythology, which I love mm-hmm. the uh, Age of Empire Age of Empire series. I got Metal Gear Solid Revengeance. For like five bucks. Saw that. Didn't get it. That was, you know, it's, it's, it's from, if you like Bayonetta, the yeah. crazy over the top action, you know, there's no possible way this would actually ever happen. He's killing people with a katana that's attached to his foot. Oh. You know, cause it's, it's, if you ever played the Metal Gear series, it's the Raiden, the much derided character you were forced to play as in the second Metal Gear Solid game. Oh. It's this blonde haired kid who is in now like this badass cyber ninja. And, uh, oh. yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy over the top action, you know. Interesting. Uh, I also got a lot of, like, indie hardcore games like VVVVV. And, uh, yeah, I got Super Meat Boy, the really challenging platformer games huh. that indie developers have put out. I did also get the, uh, Native Alaskan game. And I can't think of the title. Club Baby Seals? No. It, it was actually funded by, I believe, a cultural grant. To explore Native uh, Alaskan, uh, Native American culture, Inuit culture. Huh. It, anyway, it sounded interesting, and I watched like, a little trailer. It was like six bucks, and it looked beautiful. Music was beautiful, so I was like, "All right, I haven't played it yet, but I'm very excited to uh, get to that." Um, I did not get. I'm pissed. I should have gotten the uh, the one from Bastions. We we talked about it last time. Um, oh, Transistor. Transistor. Yeah. And so now I'm like watching if it does go back on sale, I'm totally picking it up because everything the guys talked about about the game made me just go, oh, I really want to play this. Yes, you know, as a musician, I'm sure you'd appreciate it a lot. Yeah, I know. And then I read or found out from them that it was a musician game. So, so gay news. There's news. There's news. Florida's Florida. almost not crazy anymore. We finally have gay marriage. Yeah. 
Yeah. And you know, it's funny because we saw it slowly coming and we knew it was, there was this court case. We knew it was going to happen. It was percolating. Percolating. Pam Bondi tried her best to get it shot down by the Supreme Court. They said no. Hey, she was just acting on what the public wanted because yeah. of what they voted. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's like, you know, and I, and I understand. I do. I, I can, I can appreciate the argument that they have for that. But I think Pam Bonnie went above and beyond. Yeah. Um, as a political thing. Cause I don't think at the end of the day that Pam Bonnie has, I don't think she cares. I think it's to her. She probably has gay friends. She probably is in a position. Like, I want to give her the benefit of the doubt. That's, but that's that, nice I know that her and her administration, Rick Scott, they just all they care about. There's stuff coming out daily almost about the abject political corruption that is in their administration and just the, 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 the meshing of politics. And policy, and in a bad, bad, bad way, um, for them. So anyway, you know, whatever. They lost. We won. Uh, Nana, Nana, boo, boo. I am not running out to get married. Pat and I are not quite to that point. You know, we're not like out there. People kept, well, are you getting married? Get married? I'm like, no. I, you know, that's I, I just because now we can. That doesn't mean I'm going to rush out and just go do it. Well, that was the fun argument that people kept making about when when this all started really popping last year. Is is every time that somebody would make a joke about it was the you know, the, the joke of, well, you had this gay couple and now one of them is like, so when are we getting married? And the other one's like, shit, now I actually have to get, have to well, worry about that next step. And the only thing that really complicates it a little bit is the fact that previously, like I, with my ex and then with Pat, I had them both as domestic partners on my benefits because they have domestic partner benefits because there was no gay marriage. Now that there is gay marriage, the question is, what happens to domestic partner benefits? Do you lose them? If you don't turn around and get married. Oh, yeah. Some places are suggesting that that is exactly what's going to happen. We need to enact common law. Well, you know, and then it, it, the good thing is in this case, Pat's basically getting you know, dental off my, my benefits. He's got his own medical because it made more sense financially for tax purposes. But again, now that we can get married, you know, is that going to go away, you know, at the end of the year? Like, I don't know what's going to happen. So. It's funny because it's a victory. I mean, obviously, I'm so grateful and happy that everyone who wants to, our friends Keith and Jeff, got married. Of course, they were married before, but they, they finally have it legally recognized. Made it Florida official. Yeah. I mean, other couples and, you know, the list of things that it does for you as a, as a couple, you know, we've probably gone into before. Medical visits, you know, rights of survivalship, property ownership, the transfers, pension transfer, like all of that stuff that, that people just take for granted and they think, oh, well, why do you want to corrupt marriage and why do you want to da da da? It's like that's not even a point. I will the say, point is all this other stuff. If you beat me to the altar, I'm gonna be pissed. No. Oh. Well, you have a date though, right? Yeah. So, and and you have a date to beat. Well, yeah, but I'm not. I. And then the other side of it is kind of like being in that sort of second class citizen, sort of not having marriage. Like I just kind of assume that I never would. And it just sort of would never really happen. I think that's part of it. Even with my ex, like, I just kind of thought, well, we're never really going to get married because we can't. So I don't have to think about, like, the wedding and planning and the expense. It's fun. It's fun. Let me tell you about it. I don't. And that's the thing. I don't think if Pat and I do decide to do that or whatever, I I don't think it would be a huge spectacle. But at the same time, you know, who knows? Things like that quickly get out of control. And other people in your family just want to want to do it up. So, I don't know. But it's great. I'm very happy. I'm, if we can get a little bit more acceptance of the adoption stuff, which is still somewhat county by county. Yeah. Hell, even the, well, the marriage thing is county by county in a sense. 
the county's basically said, ah, we're done. We're not going to give any more marriage licenses to anybody from the state, you know, representatives. But the thing about those counties is all you need is a lawyer who has the, uh, actually, you don't even need a lawyer. You need a, um, a, a they can do the, a notary. Oh. A notary can marry you. Got a couple just, of notaries in the family. Yeah. So, I mean, even if you're in that area, I think it's like North Florida, North of us in Florida and, and go to a notary and, hey, get this hitch. So, Mazel Tov, very happy for that. Um, in other gay news, I'll talk about MAL because uh, I have something I would like to read about MAL. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Mid-Atlantic Leather is an event that is, uh, one of the major leather conventions in, um, in the, in the United States at least. Have they ever had Judas Priest play? Uh, I would not be surprised if Rob Halford was there. That's it? I, I wouldn't be surprised if he showed up because I know he was kind of into that, but. Uh, there's so many people at this thing. It's at the Hyatt Regency, which is a hotel very close to the Capitol. It's in the district, but I mean close to the Capitol building. Um, it's a fascinating, like, microcosm of weird, and I say weird not in a judgmental, like, you're weird, but just off of the norm, sort of sexual and identity expression. Counterculture. Counterculture. Taboo. And in fact, we were actually going to the HRC store in DC and we had an interesting discussion. We were there for like an hour. HRC, uh, Human Rights Council. There you go. HRC Council. Anyway, they're the big, uh, the equal sign. They're like a big political action group that does uh, fundraising for uh, gay and lesbian causes, uh, acceptance. But what was interesting is they were talking, we were talking about how, as much as the gay community is a big community and we all love each other and we all accept each other for being who we are, all that stuff, there's still stigma in the gay community for groups like the Bears, like the trans community and like the leather community, leather there's, and bondage. There's splinter groups. Yeah, and how it's sort of like a, it's sort of an odd like family where we love everybody in our family, but they're a little weird over there. We're just gonna kind of keep them at arm's length. But anyway, so so we had an interesting discussion with them about this. But one of the things at the MAL convention that's fascinating is the puppy bowl. Have I told you about the puppy bowl before? No. Does it involve actual puppies? I am terrified. You should be. Um, the Puppy Bowl, and, and by Just the think, way... it's a whole bunch of Havocs all going for your business. Please understand that if you are into pup play or you, you whatever, I think that's fantastic. I really have no problem with you, but be prepared to be slightly offended if you are easily offended because we're going to make fun of you in a grand sense of your group. Wait, these aren't actual puppies? <clears throat> no. I'm sad. So, puppy play is when a uh, person wants to act like a dog. Or a puppy, really, because they're very energetic, whatever. And they either can dress like a dog. They may have a face, uh, sort of a mask slash hood with a mouth that opens and a little tongue. Uh, or just a leather, like, you know, puppy, like, gimp hood almost. Uh, then they may wear other, like, parts of their outfit. They have, like, a lock on necklace that they wear. Um, their owner holds the key kind of thing. And they may also have a butt plug. That is As a, a tail? A tail. Hey. And in fact, we saw all of that pretty much at the Puppy Bowl. So the Puppy Bowl is a bunch of the, I guess, masters or whoever, I don't know, the uh, the owner of the puppy, brings their pups to the little area, and they all, like a dog park, basically walk around and like play with squeaky <laughs> Teacher. toys. Teacher, I have a question. Uh-huh. Do they have poopy bags? Yeah. So there is not as much... To my knowledge, and someone can correct us online, a that sort of you know there is an element that does that. We heard about that too. There is a full commitment. Well, or there's people who are just into having diapers and being changed. 
But the puppy people are not necessarily that. Um, so, no, they're not doing that part. But they are, like, you know, encouraged to sort of frolic and sniff each other's butts and, of you course. know, like That's play with toys and all that. And they can be checked out to be taken as a, uh, they can be adopted is what thing. So what I, uh, in, in the MAL, um, packet, uh, they had a thing here and it's for the puppy, puppy park, they call it actually. And I wanted to read you the rules because I think they're kind of hysterical. So I'm going to read these real quick. Uh, guidelines for safe puppy play. And they say puppy, that's fine. And interaction at the puppy park. Number one, be mindful of gear or articles that can cause injury to other pups. Jewelry or articles slash gear that can get caught and cause injury should be avoided in the play area. So like spike collars and stuff? Excellent. Hard-soled boots and spike collars are not permitted in the play area. There, there you go. go. That's not, That makes sense. That's See, fine. Seems pretty obvious. Yeah, no, I totally get that. Number two, approach a pup as you would, lo- as you would a bio dog. Fuck is a bio dog? Biological dog. Uh-huh. Don't run up to the pup, yell, grab, or try to pet them. Ask the owner slash handler for permission. Approach them from the front so they can see you. And in parentheses, some hoods restrict vision. Hold your hand out and let the pup come to you first. If the pup doesn't, turns or growls, let them be. Either they don't want to come to you or may not have permission. Okay? It gets better. Okay. Number three, do not pull on a pup's tail. <laughs> now know why that is the case. It is disrespectful to the pup and can cause injury. <laughs> Start a lawnmower. <laughs> Do not pull number four on a pup's collar. It is disrespectful and can cause injury. Oh, that's fine. Five. Ask to pet a collared pup. I think they already said that earlier, but all right. Six. Not all uncollared pups are strays. I didn't even know about that. There's a whole subsect of puppies that are strays. I guess I don't know. They're the untrained ones. They're wild. Seven. Chatting slash talking with pups can be distracting. It can interfere with the pup's headspace. So <laughs> they have to get. They need a moment guess, to get in character. Like in character, it's like a thing. And so if you start going, "Oh, hey, Bob, how are you doing?" You know, you, good to see you again. You know that that just they're real method. Their, they're they're real like like uh, what's his name? They're method actors, right? It's a really Stanislavski kind of a thing. Yeah, I, I like that. That's, that's interesting. Uh, it can be, number eight, disrespectful for some pups to be in public. Please be respectful that not all pups are at ease as others. So you have your introvert pups, you have your extrovert pups, you know, all that stuff. Is there a potential for a red rocket to just randomly happen? I would hope. I would. Yes. Number nine, ask before feeding pups treats, as some pups have allergies. Now, I did not see any pups getting treats. I would take this completely the wrong way. But in the space that we were in, I don't think that would have been encouraged. Guy just walks in the middle of a puppy park with a big thing of peanut butter. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's pretty awesome. Um, That's good. Ten. Scritches are almost always welcome. And I assume, again, there's a few misspellings here. Scratches. I was going to say. Scritches is a term. Oh, what is that? Do uh, scratches get stitches? If I remember correctly, it's just like like scratching behind the ear. Okay. Something like okay, that. so that's a technical term. Okay, good. Okay. I did not know that. Okay, number 11. This is what I suspected because we didn't see it. Nudity is not permitted in public spaces. Genitals cannot be exposed, and the butt crack must be covered by at least a one-inch strap. Now, that is not just true of puppy play. That is true in the Mid-Atlantic Leather uh, Convention area. It's the whole hotel. So you come down the escalators and you're in the lobby. From pretty much that space around, it's supposed to be like this. 
but we saw plenty of exposed ass because they have the ass as chaps or they have like a kilt that comes up. Or Since when you put an actual measurement on it, it reminds me of our upbringing at a private Christian six school. Six inch rule. Girl with the woman with the ruler comes by. Did she actually measure your leather strap? Like, nope, less than an inch. Gonna need you to go home and change. Yeah, that would be kind of hilarious if somebody did that. Uh, and finally, number 12, remember, it's all fun and games until someone ends up in the cone of shame. Aw, they have human-sized cones? I didn't see anybody in the cone of shame, but I guess. We did. So another thing about MIL, and then we'll move on. There's this thing called the uh, fishbowl. And so the hotel is kind of like an atrium where there are rooms with windows that are exposed out to this, like, uh, two store, two two floors of, like, a connecting uh, to close out the atrium. Okay. And the rest is open to the street. If you go up to those floors, you can look down into the rooms if those rooms are open, if their windows are open. And so the fishbowl then becomes basically where you would go up. Catch a show. Catch a show looking down into the rooms. Uh, we did not do that this year, but last year we had done that. And uh, Do they? Do the people that move uh, go in those rooms sign like a yes. waiver? No, 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 no. It, but they know what they're getting into. If they don't, they're... They're new to the convention. Okay. Because uh, it's been here for several years, and people tend to like to have these rooms for, well, obvious reasons. Now, I bring all this up because of the pup play thing, because at least once, probably per year, if not more, there is somebody in a cage that you can see from the fishbowl the entire weekend. They don't seem to leave the cage. They're like the permanent go-go dancer. But it's not a cage where they would be standing. This is a dog kennel. So this is a pup that is basically getting, I guess, his jollies off of being locked in a cage at this convention where everybody and everybody is out there frolicking and doing whatever. He's being crate trained. Exactly. So that has happened both years. We saw it ourselves last year, and then someone said they saw it this year. So there you have it. That sounds... Mid-Atlantic leather. Amazing. All right. We have a question, and I'll throw this out there, and we'll talk about it, and then we'll dig into just a little bit of comics before we wrap this up. Uh, but of course, we are looking for and always welcome questions for Flame On. Uh, post them on our Facebook wall. Send them as a tweet to Flame On Podcast. Uh, email at any of our names at flameonshow.com. I'm sad. I don't think I've gotten a single email since I've been added to the show. I got one actually, uh, that I will read here in a second. Uh, I got it just, just yesterday, I think. Um, but we do have a question from a while back when we solicited, uh, one of the gay geek, uh, Orlando Gay Geek uh, members uh, gave us one. So I want to read that. But again, we're looking for more. Please send these on. We love them. This is from Chris. Uh, he asks, or basically kind of a statement slash question. For the most part, superheroes swap partners at the frequency of Pokemon cards on the schoolyard. Most of us are the same way. We can't hold on to a significant other. Do you think that is because in today's world, the next, quote, fish in the sea, quote, is so easily accessible or is it because we, as minorities, cannot commit to due to our own social issues and insecurities? Or are we just a bunch of assholes and sluts that don't want to commit to anything longer than it takes to get our jollies off? Well. That's a weird hmm. question. It is, and I've been thinking about it a little bit. Uh, you know, maybe here and there for about an hour or so, I'll just sit and ponder these. No, um, but no, I've, I've actually, this has popped up a few times because... I I don't know. I don't think I would blame society. I don't think I would blame the cultural acceptance being a thing. But at the same time... I'd blame all of the above. I mean, there's aspects of it that must play a role. But at the end of the day, it just comes down to, 
do you want to stick with the person that you're with and make the hard choices to do that and acknowledge that it's not just about you, it's about both of you? Or is it easier for you, in this case, whoever, to just find the next thing? Because, you know, and, and then there's the whole, you know, sexual addiction, and there's the whole, you know, the, the, the endorphins that are released when you're just falling in love and lust and all that stuff. So I think all of it plays a role. Well, there are multiple uh, facets to this. Um, you know, yeah. I, I could throw in personal experiences. Um, one, I don't know what I want. But, uh, you know, each long-term relationship I have, I, I learn more and more about what I want from uh, a romantic partner. Um, but that's a, that uh, that same token, uh, apparently I have just terrible taste in men, gen, you know, in general. So. That also happens. Mm-hmm. Um, the men that you are most attracted to are the ones that are the worst for you, or the women in some cases. I was gonna say I could I could give you my perspective as a straight man. That's in, fine. In this. It's I think it's equally valid. I think that the most valuable thing, and and Jared is is on the right track with this, is there is nothing wrong with having a lot of relationship experience to build what you see as the ideal partner. A lot of people look at it as, oh, you date so much, you're you're just a slut, you know, or you don't know what, you know, you're just making mistakes after mistakes. Like, well, no, I'm I'm exploring what I need in my life that makes me happy. Yeah. Ultimately, though, you should be doing all that, even finding the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with, you should be first coming to terms with who you are. Yes. Because you cannot possibly find the right person out there unless you know who you are as a person. And if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? A fucking man. I'm, I'm reminded of the Matrix, the, uh, the, the quote of know thyself. It's oh, yeah. true, though. Like, I think uh, the, the woman I am currently with, I've been with for, uh, what was it, going on six, going on seven. We just did My six. Goodness. Uh, and we're getting married next January. Uh, but up until that point, the longest relationship I had been in was four years. Three of them were actually a relationship. The that last, was, wow, I didn't realize that was the last year of that was like the slow death of the relationship. But everything else was like six months, a couple months, maybe eight months, ten months. And they were all horrible for me. They're perfectly fine in their own right. Probably yeah. some of them you could see are the devil, but. <laughs> The reason I went with them was because it was out of convenience. It was, this is what was presented, and it was the easy path. It wasn't, this is what I want. It was, oh, they like me. Okay. Yeah, and I think there's a part of that that everybody goes through at the beginning where they're with the person they're with in part because, hey, yeah, they like me. This is cool. But if your communications are not uh, strong, if you can't, be open and honest and, and really get to the things that make you happy or they're not willing to adapt or change and you know it's not like you're supposed to change people but let's right. be honest being in a relationship changes both parties for different things and a good partner is receptive to the needs of their of their partner and no matter what though in any relationship if there comes a time when the relationship is beyond toxic and it could happen for any reason. Mm-hmm. It could happen for, you know, it, it could become toxic simply because you two have changed up in different ways. You've grown apart. You've yeah, grown yeah. apart. It's up to you if you properly know who you are to recognize when it's worth fighting for yep. and when it's worth acknowledging that 
you're as happy as you've made you could possibly be and that you would be healthier apart. Yep. I I went through that and I I chose to cut bait and you know leave and it it was the hardest thing I've ever done but I ultimately felt that I could not sustain my I I could not be happy in that relationship projecting it down the road. You know. So it, it's it's tough. It really is a tough thing to go through but uh, let's apply superheroes because again, his his starting point was superhero swap partners. Yeah, but I mean, he's obviously going with the other metaphor. But do we think that Batman, uh, obviously a Batman, I mean, just gets a new Robin every few years. Um, I don't think he's ever had a girlfriend aside from Catwoman. It's like, oh yeah, there was that there was that girl that was in the lot of the Batman books. Yeah, no, it, well, but I just mean like superhero partners, not even relationships, like. Oh, yeah, what is, does he mean relationships or does he mean no, no, partners? I think superhero swap partners. I, I take that to mean partners like Batman and Robin, not oh, Batman, I would, Batman's girlfriend. I would take it to mean the significant others or like the pairings of like, you know, like Wolverine. He's well, got that he's list of, of ladies. But well, either way, you know, do superheroes swap? And I don't think they actually swap like, like partners. You know, the classic duos remain even if the, People are not the same. You know, the Robins, for example. Or you have the Green Arrows where they, their sidekick just gets eight different names until one of them is interesting. Yeah. Speedy or Red Arrow or Arsenal, Arsenal or... But I, mean, I don't you know. know. I, I think superheroes are really a reflection of society. And you know, writers always want to... They want to put change. They want to put character growth. And they want to put drama to make a story interesting. So, yeah, you're going to have a, I think, higher proportion of drama in story than in real life but the problem is when people absorb enough of the material do they start to enact and i feel like there is an element of that i mean certainly romantic love in the last 400 years let's say has evolved and changed to be something that was very unlike what it used to be and i think part of that is because of fiction and literature and and culture art and culture yeah shaping and changing and religion too the damn mtv making us all short attention span little ADHD people. Well, in some ways, it made us, I think, more interested in the romantic side of love than in the, you know, property and stability sides of, of, uh, of a pairing, of the breeding, and you know, for him. So, I mean, it's like it has good things and bad, but you know, o- overall, you know, comics reflect life, as any art does. And you know, some superheroes, they're whores. They want to swap out the latest Robin for the latest model. <laughs> they're on their little superhero grinder. Well, and, and you'll for new sidekicks all the time. They have a little hookup slash team up to, you know, make it work. You know, find out if it's gonna, it's gonna be something. But then, you know, it depends on the writer. Some writers can make that, that relationship the, the backbone of a good story. Like anything with Jonathan Hickman during the Fantastic oh, Four run. Such a good, such a good run. And other people, oh, they want to come in. And the first thing they want to do is flip the table mm-hmm. and get rid of Peter Parker's uh, wife. Break them up. Yep. Their, their marriage never happened. All right, let's move on. So talking about comic books, we're not going to go too crazy deep because basically I'm the one who really reads comics in this group. Eric and Oral, of course, you know, being com- contractually obligated to pitch comics to their, uh, their, their, uh, their, their customers. They are certainly up on the latest grace. So we'll save all that for them. I do want to talk just briefly about Star Wars number one. I did have a chance to read it. Uh, this is, of course, the very ballyhooed and somewhat, in some places, I think, sort of derided, you know, Marvel taking back the franchise. The ultimate cash-in. Yeah. And, and basically because Disney owns both. But what they did do, right, 
even though Dark Horse, unfortunately, for many years did carry the flame and deserves all the respect. What Marvel did do right with this sort of Star Wars number one is they brought it back to the characters that people love. And I am not talking about uh, Jar Jar Binks. I am not even talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi. I am talking about Luke, Leia, Han Solo. And Qui-Gon, right? No, not Qui-Gon. Damn it! And Boba Fett. No, well, sort of. Django. Um, you meant Django? Django Fett. Uh, well, so Slave 1 sort of appears. Mace Windu? No. Damn it! The Emperor doesn't even appear, I think. But it basically, so the first issue by Jason Aaron and... Uh, John Cassidy. John Cassidy. You know, it's a fun romp. Yeah. It's, it's set between the fourth and fifth movies, which, for those of you who don't... Well, Parts four and five, it's, you know, the uh, original A New Hope and uh, Empire, which is a very fertile time period. I mean, Brian Wood's Star Wars series set in the same era, very different, but similar in a sense. Well, you know, in, in thinking about it, as I was reading the first issue, it does, it did occur to me like, man, they're, they really, looking back for where episode five picked up, a lot was unspoken that had kind of just like, okay, they had this big victory and now they're on the run. Yeah. And uh, Luke or Han and Leia have a little bit of a thing going on, and huh? Okay, yeah. it's a it's a very good potential for stories. Yeah, so I mean, this is basically just a, a caper, a heist. They're trying to shut down a production facility, I think, on a planet. They got Chewie as a sniper with his crossbow, which is pretty cool. They have a three PO sort of playing support, but eventually they thrust a blaster at him. They're like, "You need to help us. You need to, you know." Which, which is kind of ridiculous given the character. They have Luke still coming to terms with his powers. Yep. Vader eventually makes an appearance and sort of they show a possible confrontation between the two. Man, Vader's such an asshole. Yeah, well. Just take these stormtroopers and block all the fire from the sniper. So, I mean, and that's, you know, so, so you know, basically Jason Aaron is taking a lot of what works in Star Wars. He He catches the tone really well. It's jokey, but kind of corny, but still kind of fun at the same time. And then they're bringing in elements like Vader with the Stormtrooper body shield from like the video games and the and the animation stuff where the Force powers became more and more ornate and kind of ridiculous. And of course, you know, and uh, what was the Force Unleashed? You could throw oh, the Stormtrooper all was... over the place, which was just an amazingly fun thing to do. Um, so you know, it's it's an informed Star Wars adventure. I'm you know I'll, I'll probably keep reading it. You know, it seems like it's fun enough. And you know it's not going to stomp all over continuity, of course, because they're not going to do that. They're if anything, gonna... they they might try to seed stuff that could they could pay off story wise in the new movies. Yeah, I mean it's quite possible. I tend to doubt that they'll do that, but you never know. It, it's possible. Um, but it's just fun if you like Star Wars, you you like comic books, you should just get you should check it out. Um, a lot of fun. And then you know otherwise, you know there, there's a lot of good indie books. We're going to hopefully have, in a you know, upcoming episode, we'll spend a little more time digging in some of the great indie ones. I wanted to talk about Odyssey and uh, Jupiter's Legacy, which came back fe- featuring the return of Frank Quietly after his, uh, you know, Mark Miller book that he's been working on hasn't been out for like almost a year, as is tradition. But uh, we'll save all that for another episode. Thank you guys for listening. Please find us on flameonshow.com. We're Flame On uh, as well on SoundCloud. And actually, I've been using that a lot lately to look for other stuff. So it's while you're there, you can, you know, subscribe to us. Or if you have iTunes, you can certainly find us there. Um, Flame on Show, as mentioned, dot com at Flame on Podcast on Twitter. Uh, but pretty much everywhere else, in nah, Tumblr. We don't have an Instagram, but Tumblr and um, 
what other place I can't think of. Google Plus. Grinder. No. Well, oh, we, we always tease on our. Uh, if you read our uh, our episode write up, we always mention Grinder. Uh, but no, not really. No. One day. Someday. When the viewership oh, drops off. You know, I almost forgot. Real quick before we check out, I just want to give a shout out. I got an email. Um, and it was kind of sweet because it, uh, backed me up on a point that I, uh, had made on a previous episode. Oh God, do you people know what you do when you reinforce his opinions? <laughs> Validation? Don't do that. <laughs> Validated. It was amazing. His ego can't fit in the room already. <laughs> so this is, uh, from B. Allen Price. And he, uh, I'll just real quick. Hi, Brian. I've been meaning to write to say thank you. And I agree that a thicker skin needs to be grown. In this case, by both readers and by DC, no one can or should expect only positive trails of any community to be written, and DC's apology only fueled the fire that the story was unjust. Oh, well. I will get off my soapbox. I just want to say that you weren't alone in your opinion. Well, it was, of course, about Batgirl, and they had a trans character, possibly like a drag queen, impersonating Batgirl. You know, I thought it was a fine issue, but you know, people were all pissed about it. Negative portrayal of, you know, uh, trans characters out there. It's like, you know what? It's going to take all kinds of portrayals to have a realistic portrayal of life. And it was a ridiculous story. It's a comic book. It's meant to sort of be ridiculous. So, you know, if you're offended, then you're offended. I if you're offended, you're talking about it, which got the uh, goal, got the point across. I, pick, I made me buy it. It made me go. pick it up. So there you go. But thank you for, uh, for, uh, Alan for writing in. I was really, I do appreciate any time we have anyone write in. So please feel free. Brian at Flame on Show. Jared at Flame on Show. Jeff at flameonshow.com. Write me, Oral, please. Eric, anybody. We are looking for feedback. We're going to be changing things up, doing different formats in the future. There's all kinds of cool stuff we've been talking about, so please check back, and we will see you very soon on uh, the interwebs. Thank you, and uh, flame off. Thanks for listening to Flame On, a podcast made possible by Powder Milk Biscuits, the ones in the blue box, a comic shop, and the generous support of tops and bottoms like you. If you want to be one of our sugar daddies, you can help out by telling a cute single friend about us, reviewing us on iTunes, or putting some dollars down our digital G-string in our monthly support drive. For more ridiculously entertaining and socially enlightening episodes of Flame On, as well as other fine programs, head on over to nerdyshow.com. You can subscribe to Flame On and all Nerdy Show Network podcasts via iTunes. And be sure to find us on Twitter at Flame On Podcast or Facebook on our Flame On fan page. And make sure to check out flameonshow.com for more nerdy queer in your ear. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.